the satisfaction that you take with you every day that you lived is in bumping up against new problems to solve and finding new courage in yourself or finding more resourcefulness in yourself or being able to come up with a way to allow more ease where you weren't a second ago. That is literally where the joy comes from. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome to the Kathy Heller podcast. This show is meant to be a guide for you. I want to be that mentor who can hold your hand through this journey. I know that there are so many twists and turns in navigating not only what is happening in our mind, but also understanding strategically how we want to get from where we are to where we want to go. In the show, we're going to talk not only about how we can start to become aware of what are the subconscious things that are holding us back and how we can instead choose thoughts that are actually going to propel us forward. But in addition to changing the landscape internally, we are going to talk about the strategies that actually will help you to build a profitable business, getting paid to be you. Because when you have a business where you do what you love, you never really have to have that sense of work because it's a pleasure, because it's joy. And really, I want you to have the most abundant life. I want you to have the kind of life that you love waking up to every day that you don't feel like you need a vacation from. So together on the show, every single episode, I want to be your friend. I want to be your mentor. I want to show you what is it that I think has really been insightful, been helpful. What are the tools and strategies? What are the mindset shifts that have helped me? And what are the things that have helped my guests to get to where they are? How can we together sort of cross this river to the most fulfilling life where we show up and we feel like we are living into our potential and having the most gorgeous, beautiful experience? Because after all, that is what we all desire. We're all craving to have the most joyful, beautiful life. And I really believe that we can design that and that we can experience a life that we just absolutely love. And not only will we enjoy it, but it will be a possibility for other people. It will show other people what's there for them. And then maybe together, each one of us, by being the happiest versions of ourselves and being the most fulfilled versions of ourselves, we will help other people to reach for that higher branch and to find that in their own life. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller Podcast. Today is a really cool episode because it's officially our 700th episode. Um, it's really exciting. I just can't believe it. I mean, if you would have told me six years ago that I would raise my three kids at the time when I started this podcast, my daughter was 10 days old. If you would have said, okay, by the time this little girl is six, you will have recorded 700 episodes. I would have probably said, forget the whole thing. I'm not doing it. That sounds like a lot of work, but, um, I got to meet you. I got to connect with all these incredible guests we've had. I just had dinner this week with Mitch Grassi from Pentatonics, who I've become friends with from being on this show. I mean, the things that have happened in my life, the way I've grown. I was sitting the other day having a conversation with someone and quoting Deepak Chopra and Dr. Rick Hansen and Marianne Williamson and Barbara Corcoran and Seth Godin. I was like, oh my God, I've literally had a masterclass. I've spent 700 hours with some of the coolest people on the planet. And it's such an incredible gift. It's just amazing how much I've grown as a person, how much I know that I don't know now that I know things. It's like, oh my God, you just know how much more there is to know. And um, it's been such a blessing. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And to celebrate, I'm doing a special giveaway over on my Instagram. So if you go to 
at kathy.heller on Instagram, you're going to see there's a big giveaway. It's a bundle of seven of my favorite things to celebrate our 700th episode. And we will pick a bunch of you to win. All you're going to have to do is share one of my reels on your Instagram stories. And um, for an extra entry, you will leave a review for the podcast. So you'll share my one of my reels and leave a review for the podcast. And then if you go to my Instagram, you'll just let me know that you entered by just finding the, the new post on my Instagram at kathy.heller. So go follow me on Instagram and you'll find the new post there to enter the giveaway. There's some really cool stuff. So you think you're going to want to see it. I also want to remind you that if you are curious about being a part of the experiences that I offer, we have a retreat coming up. It's called the Limitless Retreat. It's in June at the Boca Raton Resort in Florida. And we also have our next round of Abundant Ever After that will be starting at the end of May. If you get on our wait list, you will be the first to know about pre-sale offers and special rates, as well as all the details. You can go to kathyheller.com slash waitlist to get in on the know of all of that stuff. Well, today I wanted to share a couple cool things with you. In the first piece, I was talking about the importance of being in the process and what it takes to stay in the game. Very often we're trying to find a way to hack the system with the strategy. And really what it's about is the willingness to show up and the courage that we find in stepping forward. And that's ultimately how I ended up having 700 episodes of this podcast. So I think this is a really beautiful reminder when you feel like you're at the edge of this gap that stands in between you and where you want to be, this might help. So take a listen. So here's what I want to do is I want to give you a case study because I think it's a perfect way for you to go from here forward. And it's perfect timing because Colleen and I do a ton of coaching in different capacities. And it just so happened that yesterday I did a one-on-one session with someone who had been in the podcast program last September. And I sat with her for 90 minutes and we were sort of looking at where she is now. And I think it's a really cool thing to show you because I'm going to show you where she was stuck and I'm going to show you where she was advancing. And I think it's a pretty decent sample of what might be you in a year and what you can do about it. Okay. So she started her show. She was in the podcast program last September. So she's literally where you were, but a year ago. And she's looking at it now saying, okay, I did the thing. I started a show. She's now putting out her 70th episode. Great. And she's gotten to a steady listenership of 850 listeners. Okay. She has 850 people listening to her every week. And what do you think she said to me? She said, I don't know. I have three kids and there's moments where I'm thinking, why am I putting time into this? I'm not making money from it. And right now it's taking me away from my kids for this one hour, right? Not like she's, she has a a full-time job too, but she's like, I just don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. How do I get more people to listen to this show? What's going to happen next? And by the way, She's had some pretty cool things happen. She's interviewed a lot of interesting people. She's like, so, I mean, that was cool. And, you know, I've enjoyed, you know, doing what I'm doing, but, but what, what now? And she told me that she had reached out to some of my sponsors, right? From hearing them on my show. And she's like, one of them said, you know, they wouldn't pay me up front for ads, but they would give me a kickback, you know, if somebody signed up. So should I do that? She's like, is that worth it? And I was like, okay. So let's just back up for a second. I said to her, imagine if 
there were 850 people at your dining room table right now. And she's like, oh my God, it's a lot. And I said, and imagine if instead of feeding them, you kept looking for more people to come to the table. That would be so weird. Like you just would never do that. Like there's people at the table. She's like, okay. I said, learning a process is something that as we learn it, we get better at it so we can go deeper with it. For instance, my daughter is in kindergarten. She's learning to read sight words right now. So she gets a new sheet every week with the yellow sheet, the orange sheet. So this week it's this cannot see and, right? Last week it was like it and is, right? What's going to happen when she's in 12th grade? She's not going to read sight words. She's going to be reading Shakespeare and writing her own essays, right? Because she's going to develop a skill that's going to allow her to do more with words. When you start any process, if I taught you guitar, which I've learned, I hated guitar because for the first six or seven weeks, my fingers were fall, literally falling off. In order to, it's like very mean, no one tells you this, but in order to learn guitar, you literally have to kill the skin on your fingers to the point where it falls away and you build calluses so that the pain that you're still going to keep feeling, you won't feel it anymore. That's how badly it physically hurts to learn guitar. On top of the fact that you have to learn how to hold the neck of the guitar and to do bar chords feels like you're never going to get it. And then you have to learn different strums. So this hand has to do something different than this hand. And then you have to keep changing this hand because you have to play a song, not just the same row, row, row your boat, right? Even that changes chords. So it feels impossible, but after a while, this stops hurting. You learn the different chords. And now instead of playing and thinking about strumming, you add, not only are you playing any song, you're writing your own songs. And now that you're writing your own songs, you're playing with other people. Now you play with other people and you realize they don't even have to tell you what song they're about to play. You can follow each other. It's insane the levels of process that go into things. So I said to her, listen, when you first started, Recording a trailer was like anxiety provoking and pressing record and editing a show and getting it out there and coming up with a one minute clip to put on your Instagram. Like that felt like learning Japanese. That felt really hard. And now you've done that. I said, great. So now the 850 people that are sitting at your dining room table who show up, who are there, who want to eat, what's the next thing you can give them? I said, when was the last time in the 70 episodes? that you gave them the thing you think they want. Because if they're listening to you, maybe they want something more, especially if they're hanging out there. Maybe they want the next thing. So she's like, huh. And she is a pediatrician. So she said, well, that's really interesting. I said, have you collected anyone's email addresses? And she said, no. I said, right, but that's appropriate. You're learning it as you go. There's you learn the first thing. And then once you learn to press the clutch and the brake, you drive the stick. And then now you drive the stick. You can take your friend with you and you guys can go and have lunch. And you can also turn on the radio. And while you're turning on the radio, you can even listen to a podcast because you know how to drive stick. Like you're just building on it. So you don't know how to reach out to your subscribers. You don't know who those people are. But if you get them on your email list in exchange for the next problem that they might need solved, you can start to monetize this show, which really means you can serve those people who are there, who, if they're there, 
because you're a pediatrician and they're listening, and this could be anything, right? Had she been an architect or a florist, who's ever listening to you, right? There's something that they want solved. It could just even be entertainment, right? Some people do shows and they're entertaining and people like that. They're looking, I mean, people pay for entertainment, right? We pay for that all the time. Like I want a good experience. So it doesn't matter what your show is about. The person who's coming consistently there has a problem that your show feels like it's solving. But then if you really want to be generous, you can absolutely monetize it because there's a way to solve the problem further than just the content, right? There's a next thing that you could do, right? There's deeper level of the information or an experience or access to you, right? There's all these or a product, right? There's so many different things that could help the person more, but it's appropriate that being a mom of three and having the job she had, it took her a minute to just even get, and now she's like, yeah, I'm super comfortable recording podcasts, putting them up. I'm like, great. Now you're going to do the next thing. And she goes, it's true. It's been 70 episodes. I've never collected a single email address. I said, okay, what have been the best performing episodes? And she said, one was on tantrums, like why kids have tantrums and how to help that. And the other one, oh, it was like newborn sleep. So I said, okay, right now, I want you to go onto your Instagram and pull your audience and ask them, say, I would like to create a course, a workshop for you guys. Which topic would you guys like? And she offered them four topics. And 53 people picked the tantrums and like, you know, whatever it was. And she was like, it's working. They're speaking to me. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, she said, so what do I do next? I'm really overwhelmed about creating a, a checkout page out of this and of that. And I said, well, this is, again, we're continuing to gain mastery over things. And so we can allow ourselves the grace to just do what would be the next easiest step. So she said, well, I have a PayPal. I said, great, let's start there. And she said, and I ha- I know how to use Zoom, but I-, I-, I can't create a course and videos and this and workbooks. And I said, people pay for you, the access to you. You're going through this for the first time. She's like, okay, maybe I could do four weeks on tantrums. I go, what would you teach? She goes, I have so much to teach on that. I've been a pediatrician 15 years. I have so much to say about it and, and how people get misdiagnosed and what they can do and getting off screen time. And I was like, great. So she says in her stories, if you'd like to learn about tantrums, DM me. I'm doing a workshop for 25 of you. I'll tell you the details and the price. So last night, the same day that she put out that poll, she had 36 people say that they would pay her $500 to now be in this four-week workshop, which they're just going to PayPal her because that's where she's at. (laughs) And she's going to give them a Zoom link. That's it. Okay. So simple. I said to her once, she goes, I'm so excited. I can't believe this. I was like, right. And that's from the people who even saw your Instagram stories, right? There's an algorithm to the internet. And so not everybody will see everything you post. A small portion will even see it. And they're the ones who rated it. And now they want that next thing, right? So I said, if you keep building on this, right, you might love it. Now you have more confidence and you like that workshop. Maybe then you'll try a different one and you'll try talking about sleep and newborns or you'll try whatever allergies. You'll see which one works the best or you'll combine them all together. And then, oh my God, you could hire if you wanted at that point, a VA, someone from upwork.com to set up a checkout page for you, right? And then you'll have more mastery over that. Now you'll have a cute little Zoom link that's like, you know, joeschmo.com slash Zoom. Ooh, like you could do that tonight. But if that feels overwhelming, you could just take the next step. So she's like, oh my God, 
I'm literally starting to see that there were people at the table and I was looking for more people and then feeling overwhelmed that why don't I have all these downloads when literally there's people at the table, they're hungry, they're already there. And if you think about it, when we were growing up in the 80s, right? I'm outing myself, I'm 43, but whenever you grew up in the 80s, before the internet, right? When it was really a thing, which is only social media is like, we're talking like 10 years, okay? So when we were growing up, the people that we knew who had great lives, even the people who worked for themselves, whether they owned like a great shop on Main Street, or this one was a therapist, or this one was an architect, they had a book of business, right? They had a book of business and they had an honest living and they got paid to do what they love. Those people I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about people who work for someone else. I'm talking about people who had their own business, right? This one did this, this one had a landscape business, right? Do you know how juicy it is to have 850 people who are a pool of clients for you? Do you know what you can build from that? If you have 850 people who show up and eat from your table, right? If that's something that's possible at the end of a year, right? And of those 850 people, 65 of them become your clients, you're booked. Like you're done. Like you have a business. You have a six-figure business. You have a business, right? But here's what we don't expect. Once that happens, those people have now not only heard you, right? Which is passive. They've interacted with you. They've worked with you. And what happens when people work with you? They talk to other people about you in a much deeper way. Oh my God, I hired this event planner. She's so amazing. Oh my God, I took this course. Like it's the people who take my programs that become ambassadors for me. Yes, my podcast listeners, they share things here and there. It's cool. We see it on social media, but it's kind of that rule that you wear 20% of your wardrobe 80% of the time. It's the 20% of your audience that actually gets so close to you that does 80% of the word of mouth. They can't stop talking about you, right? Forget the person who kind of likes Saturday Night Live. They don't really talk about it. It's the people who've gone there. They've waited in line. They've seen it live. They're the people who like, they buy all the stuff. They talk about it constantly. They keep the show going. Like it's your diehard people who've actually come and had the experience. So I don't even know why I use that example. I think I use that as an example because when I was 15, my sister was at NYU and I flew up to New York and she and I waited online at 4 a.m. to get tickets to see Saturday Night Live. And I remember thinking, this is like, very much commitment, like that's freezing out here. And it was very funny. But the point is that you have a couple things you can learn from that. Number one, it takes a freaking minute to become comfortable. You do your numbers and then you learn addition, then you learn subtraction. And now you can actually utilize numbers. You can use numbers to be an architect. You can use numbers to map out different things scientifically, but you can't get there until you just understand your way around the language of numbers. That's everything. So for you to be impatient around learning a new language, that will show up in your life wherever you look. You have to have the willingness to say, what does Angela Duckworth tell us? The number one indicator of somebody who is successful is gritty. It's grit. You want to be successful at podcasting or tennis or learning how to navigate your way around Europe, you need grit. If you don't have it, you don't, it doesn't matter how talented you are. Talent is everywhere. It's the grit that matters. Everyone has talent. What matters is execution, not talent. If talent was what mattered, everyone should be Michael Jordan because everyone has talent. 
but people don't have grit. And here's what we've learned. What Angela Duckworth's study has taught us is that the only thing that they can find that correlates to grit that we have control over is optimism. The most gritty people are optimistic because you can't cure cancer if you're not optimistic. You cannot go to a lab every single day for 35 years and say, we still don't have a cure. I am defeated because it will not work. To become Jonas Salk and find a cure for polio, you've got to be gritty. And to be gritty, you have to say, I know it's here. I know it's coming. And it will. And that's for anything you do. So that's why I love anyone taking on anything new because it will reveal to you where you have grit and where you bow out of your life. And you cannot afford to do that in any way. You got to be gritty in your marriage. You got to be gritty in your life day to day. So that's one thing you can learn. The second thing you can learn from the story that I just shared is that once you've gotten right? Once you know how to be water safe, well, now you can dive. Now you can do the next things. Okay. And what are those next things? Serve the people who are there. If you have 119 people every single week showing up at your front door, please don't overlook those people. The reason why I had and have success is because I've never been interested in being a popular girl or looking for numbers or follower counts because my ego, thank God, just is unhooked from that. And instead, I'm like, how can I deeply serve the 11 people that are here today? How can I give them the next thing? How can I show up in the biggest, deepest ways? And so if you have those people, right, you can be thinking, instead of me just giving them content, right? Which is step number one, as you're iterating, you're finding your voice. The next thing is, what if I go into leadership and I want to lead them from point A to point B? Now, how do I backtrack from that and really think about what is the content? And as they're getting the content, how do I enroll them through energy in an energetic way? I mean, that I am here to be their mentor. How do I not just do content, but actually step forward in leadership with the greatest part of me, the part of me that gives them the biggest hell yes, the most courageous part of me, and take them by the hand and think to myself, here's the problem they need solved. Every episode, we're talking about this. And the next little thing that I could do to help them is what? In exchange for you giving me an email, I want to give you 10 steps about this. In exchange for you giving me your email, I want to do a once a month, I'm doing a free workshop on this. What's the next thing, right? And yeah, a small group of those people will want to be participating in that next thing. But then those people are raising their hand. They're telling you, I'm really, really interested in solving this problem, right? And from those people, you can then pull them, you can listen, you can ask them questions, and you can say, I'm getting a sense that the problem you really want solved is this. And so now I'm going to test it, and I'm going to offer it. And next thing you know, while all these people in the world are focused on how many followers they have and trying to be cool, and they're obsessed with followers, you're like, I created a business over here. I'm serving people. People are having a transformation. I'm showing up for leadership. I'm enjoying this. I'm learning my way through this. I'm leading my way through this. I'm giving people things. And oh my God, this podcast is powerful. It's potent, 
right? It's a group of people showing up for something, enjoying it, and then they're getting the next thing and you're done, right? Because people say to me all the time, I want to grow this. And I'm like, what's the goal? Is revenue the goal? Because if revenue is the goal, I need you, instead of thinking about growth, where are you serving right now? Like, where are you monetizing right now? Right? Or do you not care about revenue? You just want growth, right? So that if you just want growth, we can have a different conversation. But so often, if the revenue is, is jamming well and all of that's going on, the growth takes care of itself. And meanwhile, you're just feeling so excited and you're growing more and more into the best parts of yourself and all of that. So there's beginning a process and checking in. And sometimes we actually are measuring it wrong. And what I mean is if you were, and I've used this example before, but I just think it's a good one. If you were making brownies and you had just mixed the flour and the sugar and the eggs, and you put your finger in the bowl, I would say, well, now is not the best time to check on the completed brownies. Now is the time to check on a process. Like you're in the freaking middle, right? So there are people who check too soon and they go, well, that doesn't feel like a brownie to me. That's disgusting. And I'm not doing this anymore. It's like, okay. So you're not aware that you learn, right? You, what the ingredients are, you mix them together. Now, what else has to happen? You got to put that in the oven the oven's got to warm up first. You got to let it cool. Now you have something else, right? And so we just, we're sort of wired into self-sabotage. And so we'll look for any excuse to sort of bump ourselves out of a process and give up because we ultimately are kind of afraid of actually having a ton of success and feeling really good. That's one of the things that's actually in our way. But right now it's like, yes, let's reflect on where we're at and also give ourselves the grace of understanding that we just mixed all these ingredients together and there's so much coming, right? And that's kind of what separates the girls from the the big girls, right? Mm-hmm. Colleen, anything you want to share? Yeah, I just want to echo off that the fundamental importance of non-attachment to the outcome, right? Because when you show up in that energetic of just allowing where you presently are to just be so joyfully rewarding without all the narrative of, but is this good enough? But is anyone going to listen? But when is the money going to be here? But when is this? When is this? It's like, you've mixed the brownies. Like, well, you don't doubt that when you put the brownies in the oven and it's turned on that they're going to come out baked, right? There's a trust, there's a surrender, there's a deep belief that of course that's already going to be quotes done. Of course that's going to happen. And so when we can move from that space of not always second guessing and doubting or insisting we need the evidence in this moment of what we want, but we can just fundamentally at such a core core level, realize that our own fulfillment and joy in creating and sharing what we're doing is enough. That's when that ease of, oh, all these people just wanted to pay me $500 for my workshop comes from. But if she'd been in a different energetic, those $500 rolling times 20 people, whoever, like it wouldn't have been there the same way. But she allowed that into her experience by just giving herself the permission to be where she was and let it unfold. It's so good. And I think one of the reasons we love teaching anything, whether it's podcasting or business or abundance mindset is because there's so much spiritual, immaterial, psychological at play. Mm -hmm. And that's almost the funnest part. And what Colleen just reminds me of is that it's playing the game that is the joy. Mm -hmm. It's the journey that is ultimately 
what we actually, I don't mean because it's a fun bumper sticker. I mean, the climb is where the satisfaction exists. There's no satisfaction other than the climb. When you're playing Scrabble, you're enjoying the satisfaction of seeing where all of a sudden you can see a word. If I just put together a winning Scrabble, you know, hand for you and basically just kept generating for you the words, you wouldn't enjoy it. You would not like it. You wouldn't want to do that again. The satisfaction that you take with you every day that you lived is in bumping up against new problems to solve and finding new courage in yourself or finding more resourcefulness in yourself or being able to come up with a way to allow more ease where you weren't a second ago. That is literally where the joy comes from. So if you were climbing up a mountain and you were halfway up and somebody said, oh, I'll just take you up in a helicopter. And that was your whole life was just being dropped off by the helicopter. You would hate it because the satisfaction comes from that part of you that's bigger than what you thought was possible that overrides the part of you that wants to give up that gets to the summit. That's the whole joy of the climb. All of it. Because everything we're chasing every day is a feeling. You're only chasing a feeling. You're not chasing this many followers. You think that this many followers is going to give you that feeling. It's the feeling you want. You're not chasing a podcast that's number one. You're chasing the feeling of integrity and alignment in the courage to have a podcast that's number one. But that feeling is available every day when you show up in the yoga class and your thing is tight hamstrings and you actually push and you actually hold it for seven seconds longer than you did. That's the feeling you're chasing in the illusion of, well, it's on the other side of me having this thing. It's like, no, it's in you having the the awareness that every day you have plenty of opportunities to grab that feeling. That feeling is here for you. And unfortunately, we when we put our desire and our feeling good on something outside of ourselves, we just keep pushing it further and further away because inherently we're saying, I can't access what I actually want to feel until that thing happens. And now we are fixated on it. And we have those pressure that's, it's false. It's toxic. It doesn't exist. And therefore it just kind of knocks us out of being able to access it. But Mm -hmm. when we're like, no, Ooh, what is available right here for me to feel? Oh, I could be more, I could be back in a state of creativity. I could be back in a state of grit. I could be, it's like, that's when you bump into uh, a finding that you didn't even know you were going to find. And that's what Daniel Pink said happens at Google and Microsoft. They give them a few days a year where they come to work and they tell them not to work on their job, just to play, just to experiment. And by letting go of this sales goal that this team has, or by letting go of trying to solve this one product problem and just working somewhere else and kind of like playing around with it, they no longer feel this pressure that they have to get this done or that, and they say that those four days a year 
where people let go of the thing they were assigned to do, that their goals are based on, that their bonuses are based on when they let go of that, right? Because it triggers them into thinking, this defines me. This will make me successful. This will give my boss all the reason to give me a book. When they trick them and say, these four days a year, you're not allowed to work on your goal that you keep telling yourself is where all of your happiness is, what makes you smart, what makes you capable, what makes you impressive, what makes you important. And they just have them let go and kind of collaborate with each other, they say that more than half of the things they actually wind up selling, this is for Google and for Microsoft, come from those four days a year. People do their best work because there's a way to override the system. When you stop telling yourself, I need it to come through this. I can't feel that feeling of relief until I have this many downloads. I can't feel that feeling of relief until it's generating this many reviews. And then, right? When you let go of that and you just say, oh my gosh, I'm going to just play with what's here, right? You no longer are attaching. Like this girl I was with yesterday, when I said, just see if you can pull people, right? Well, she didn't have the same attachment to monetizing what was here right now that she had to, I want more followers for some reason. It just doesn't trigger that in her. And guess what happened? She allowed it to happen. And now she's making money. And it's a ball, right? Because it can come in because she didn't need it. I mean, imagine a girl who's going on a date. You've all either been this way for one moment in your life or you've seen it. And she needs the guy to like her. Well, he feels that. He doesn't want that. It's not a, it's not a vibe, right? But when she just goes out and she's just present and she's like, we'll just see what happens. And oh my gosh, now he likes her, right? Because she doesn't need him to like her. So he can choose to, right? But the things in our life that we need to happen and we're so disappointed every day, we keep looking and we go, I need it to happen. I'm really disappointed that it's not. It needs to happen. It's like, it just can't happen because you're so triggered by it, right? But when you let go and you just start to feel relieved and you just start to play, you don't have to be patient. There's nothing to be patient about. There's nothing to need that you have to be patient around. There's no patience needed because you're just being with what is, you know, your joy comes from who you are, right? And you're having a blast. So that's really the point. And this is what's cool about any process, right? No matter what you're learning. Well, I hope that was helpful. Now I want to share a spotlight session I did with Bunny. She's a business coach and entrepreneur. She wants to put more focus on her speaking career and she's playing with the idea of starting a podcast, but she feels like if she adds anything else to her plate, she won't have the capacity to be there for her family. So we talk about why she feels like she has to hold everything for everyone around her. And then we get into what's actually blocking her from the opportunities on stage. This is a juicy one. Take a listen. Bunny, hi. Hi. Thank you. So... Thank you for that activity. And like, I have pages that I wrote and what came up for me was like, I have to do it all, which then when going into the podcast, like being the entrepreneur that I am, I'm a third generation entrepreneur and I'm an only child. And so like, there's this story that I'm telling myself of, I have to do it all for my parents. My husband's in the military. I'm taking care of our girls. He's on deployment. And I was just cognizant of that. And I'm like, well, going into a podcast, like this is going to be dangerous. If I have this story of, I have to do it all. I feel like I'm constantly chasing. Like I'd emailed team Kathy this morning because I have heart surgery next week. And so I'm like, I'm going to miss the calls. I'm going to be behind. And so it's a very like physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally frantic energy and not wanting to let anybody down. 
I'm going to let Colleen start this one because I didn't let her share it all in the last one. So Colleen, you go first. It's a lot to hold, right? All those people you said, you're holding for, you know, your parents, you're holding for your husband, you're holding for your daughters, you're holding for yourself. Like, oh my goodness. And I understand coming from that space. So the thought of like letting go would be like, you almost get this vision of like all these things just going up in the air because you have like all of these platters that you're like balancing. So when you think of having actual space for yourself, okay, if you were to imagine a moment where you weren't so maxed out all of the time, what comes up for you? What are you afraid of? What feels positive about that? What doesn't? Like what does space and time and openness mean to you? If I'm not doing, I'm going to like not be serving my purpose, won't be fulfilling my purpose. Okay. And what do you, what is your purpose to you? What do you feel that that is? Make this world a better place. Yeah. So like Kathy often talks about, which is so beautiful, right? Is we're all connected. And the more that we stay in the stream, the more we're part of that infinite wholeness that exists. And there's a part of us, our ego self that winds up thinking, Oh, when it looks this way, when I do this thing, when I perform this way, then I'm being of service because this person's going to feel okay. And this person's going to be taken care of. And I've helped this person. And it's all coming from this beautiful, generous intention. And in that moment, there's a part of you that is giving up your alignment with you, your priority of like your own wholeness and your own connectedness. So if you were to think for a minute, that you didn't have to hold for all these people, that they were actually 1 million percent okay if you didn't show up in a certain way, what would you do with that freedom? Find other people. Like I'm being honest, like it's, I've done so many things in my life, like, and had so much experience and I want to bring that back to the world. And like somebody had said in the chat, like self-care is imperative and like, I do take incredible care of myself in order to be able to still show up. It's just, it's more of the mental than it is the behavioral. Like I've tried to change the behavior, create more time in my calendar. And then that anxiety is there, like the, the energy that's confused and doesn't know where to go. And so I want to be very intentional walking into this opportunity around the when and around the how that I am choosing to move forward with the podcast so that it doesn't turn into just another thing that is on my plate, but it's where I can deeply heal because it's how I can deliver to the world and be able to say like, you know, not just I did a podcast, but I did a podcast without further killing myself. And in the midst of this, my podcast is me bringing you along on this journey and narrating it. It's not me sitting down and recording a podcast. It's bringing, you know, 5 million of my best friends through this world saying, yes, I have a disability. Yes. I'm having heart surgery next week and I'm still happy. I'm still here. I still have a purpose, still waking up and doing this. And so, yeah, but to answer your question, it's like, if I didn't have these people or if I had the space for me, I love what I do. It's not that I don't love anything about it. It's the energy and the pattern that it's coming from. Like it almost feels like the ground that it's growing from is a little bit toxic. And I'd love to be able to like take this little seed with its little roots and put it in some like healthier ground. I think this is 
really, really powerful for everybody who's listening because I think a lot of times we're oriented this way and it comes from a lot of these subconscious, really sticky beliefs that we took on in our younger years as a way of survival that we had to not only be whole, find resonance, but hold other people's brokenness so we can fix it as if that's possible. So it's almost like one beautiful image would be to think of sitting in a beautiful theater and there's an incredible orchestra on stage. And at one point, Yo-Yo Ma just plays a solo and just plays the instrument. And everyone in the theater has this healing from just being in presence with this instrument, this instrument of this player and the music. And you don't know where one ends and one begins. And it's just an offering. The only possibility, the only potential to fix and heal the world comes from our offering of the most beautiful music. If he got off the stage and then went person to person and said, I want to know you heard it. I want to know you heard it. I want to make sure you heard it. I want to play it louder in your ear. I want you to stand up. I want you to come on stage with me, right? If he like took on this pressure to make Mm. sure he doesn't just deliver the message, but he now makes sure you got the message, it would be really, really toxic and really, really take all the magic away. And so everyone who's ever, even a doctor, Deepak Chopra said this, he said, doctors like to call themselves healers, but really what doctors do at their best is to create the conditions for healing to do everything they can to create and facilitate a environment where healing can come through. And then the magic, he said, is that ultimately it's still going to be up to the person to heal themselves because whether or not somebody's given this treatment or that treatment, they've done all the studies to see how the person interacts with the person's mindset, the person's commitment to the process, the per- all of the things, right? Like all of the things, the responsibility and the, even the, the mystical, right? If it's not, if the soul is on this other journey, the soul is on this other journey. Like there's only so much that he's going to be able to do, but he's going to create an environment. And so ultimately everything alive, everything living, whether it's a tree or it's a koala bear, or if it's a person Everyone has access to the divine source of all intelligence, that, that electricity, everything alive. So they don't need us, right? What they need though, is to find their way to it, find their way to it. How does that happen? Because every person, every being, every species, when it's doing its job, when the redwood trees just stand as tall as they're supposed to stand, we're moved by that, seeing Mm -hmm. them in fullness, seeing them in alignment. When you see anything fully aligned, fully resonant, it moves you back into the stream. So where you're getting tripped is wanting this beautiful wanting, 
is knowing you came to the world with a mission and wanting to fulfill it. And you are, and then there's a sort of a leak where you think in order for you to fulfill this mission, you have to hold for other people and go into other people and actually do the part that's their part Yeah, that you're not supposed to touch and you can't do. Cause as soon as you do it, what you're really co-signing is you can't do it without me. You're not connected. You don't have a way into yeah. your alignment. You don't want to send that signal. You want to send the signal that everyone's got Wi-Fi around them. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a plug. They're just looking for that outlet mm-hmm. and everyone's got an outlet somewhere. So you're taking off what's not yours to hold. And most likely that's going to help your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was like a beautiful analogy and like response. And would it be okay to ask if there's a time like you can share about like what that looks like in the practical of either you or witnessing somebody like you would share the experience about you with the singing contract, because it feels like, honestly, it just feels so you're a hundred percent right. Where it's like, you show up and you're like, I'm here. Like I lived past what traditional doctors had said. And I'm like, well, I don't want to waste this day. I better go make use of it. And so like, I, I see myself running up and down the aisles of Carnegie hall being like, did you see it? Did you see it? And it's fully exhausting. Like I admit that. And I want to go stand back up on stage, but I don't, it's like, I don't see the stage. Honestly, it's like, I know I could get a higher speaking fee than Mel Robbins because that's what I'm born for. And I'm not in competition. It's a yes. And And it's like, okay, where do I focus to make the most impact on this world and most positive and stop spinning and stop the leak? Well, the first thing is in this place, right? When you're aligned in this place, it's intoxicating. That's the first thing, right? You're allowed to get drunk off me anytime. No, and and I'm not, I'm not really getting drunk off you right now, to be honest, because I'm fighting for your alignment. I don't yet feel you there. Yeah, But I'm saying if you move here, if you move into this place, it's intoxicating for other people. That's number one. Okay. But that's scary right now. There's something about it. You said, I can't even see the stage, right? I just want to run up and down the halls. So that's really where the work is. That's where the work is. Because as much as we think that it's in the software we use or how many times we post in the day, When Oprah walked into that room, they were going to create a position for her. They were going to decide all of a sudden, you know, in fact, we are doing a daytime talk show because it has to happen. Like it's never about the strategic move. It's the energy. We are so freaking powerful when we're totally turned on with all the Christmas tree lights. People move heaven and earth to put it on the stage because it's so alive. It's so Oh, it's so moving. That's what moves things. People ask me, they text me. I had a friend text me the other day. Tell me who you've hired. What's your team like? How did you build this? And I was like, there was, I don't have words that you want to hear. Like, I'm just, and she's like, no, no, I get it. It's cute. It's like, you're going to say it's like your light. And this, I'm like, you have it too. Turn it on. Like She's like, no, you're not getting it. I need a marketing director. I'm like, no, you don't. 
there is no marketing director. Ask my team what it's like working with a network and this, and these people on, they don't know what to do for you. Like, they're just like only going to manage whatever you've created. They don't know what to do for you. So let's talk about the stage, just getting you in that place, right? So you don't have to run up and down the aisles. What's keeping you from walking on that stage and just holding it and just trusting that it's enough? Why do you have to run up and down the aisles? I feel like my stages have been too small and I'm waiting for the bigger stage because the continuing to, to speak on the smaller stages is exhausting. Why are you waiting? I don't know where the bigger stage is. You don't? You just mentioned Mel Robbins. Are there any big stages you've seen her speak on? I've applied to those conferences and gotten denials. Like we're talking probably 80 applications. And so I feel like I'm missing something in the copy. Like the, the irony is I'm not a copywriter. I'm a speaker. Why isn't there a speaking application? That's a video. Where are you speaking right now every day? Social media, YouTube. Okay. Tell me about that. What's that look like? YouTube feels like a lot of planning and recording. Social media feels aligned. Like okay. I'm just walking having a conversation in the middle of a pasture with my horse. Okay. And you're doing that every day. Mm -hmm. What's your social media handle? Just so we can be on the same page. At bunny has six legs, the number six, because I have a service dog. How often are you speaking on here? I do stories every day, Kath. And I've created a reel every day for the past two and a half weeks. So when you go live though. Do you ever like just do that? Like go live and talk for like five minutes or 10 minutes and just share, not in a produced way, but in just a super organic. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. I do that all the time on my stories. Well, there's two things going on. One is when you mentioned Mel Robbins, just to use her as an example, what's the content of hers that you resonate with? The authenticity, and I love because I was a therapist. I love that. I mean, her two concepts are giving a mirror yourself a high five and counting to, to five. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's so simple and it's so raw. And so it's slowing the world down. And I love how simple it is. And then also like her unwithability, the authenticity there. I guess that's probably a better word, but I like. I think that word's probably they're on Wikipedia. Good. Okay. They're both good. So there's two issues. One issue is you just told me for eight minutes that you don't believe just standing on the stage is enough. So if you really believe that your authenticity was so powerful, you wouldn't make curated cute little stories because you have something way more powerful to share, which is you just riffing, right? That would be like, all the time, vulnerability, just honesty. Because what Mel Robbins does in her authenticity is she goes, oh my God, I'm having a panic attack. I'm really anxious. Here's me on the side of the road. Look at how I buttoned my pants wrong. She's not like, isn't it cute that I have a margarita in my hand? Look how awesome I am. Look at, not that you are. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying the thing she's not doing yeah. is any version of look at me. She's doing, come with me. Can you believe I am a pile of anxiety right now. Like yeah. she's known for the authenticity, which is 
very resonating for people. It's very resonant because it's like, what did she just say? So when you say that you love authenticity and that you do this every single day, and I don't know because I haven't followed it, so it's not a trick question. Is that the level of authenticity that you allow yourself to give to people? Here's what's messy today and here's what's feeling scary and I'm showing up anyway, or are you coming with a lot of answers? In this moment, I feel like putting myself in front of you and in front of 200 of my friends to be messy and be authentic and be healing is yes. But that's not what you were doing. I don't know. It's not a trick question. I don't know. Cause you just mentioned Mel Robbins. We're talking about authenticity. That yeah. to me is a person with a lot of con- the most amount of confidence in someone is usually when they're like, I'm a hot mess. You too. I usually find the people who are really together, really insecure. Right. Yeah. So to me, unfuckable is the person who's like, you don't need to call it out. I called it out first. You know what I mean? Like I have nothing to prove to you because I'm totally okay with being brave and sabotaging myself all the time. Yeah. Right. So to me, all of my friends at this point in my life who are in this space of podcasting and having success, we're all seeming to be doing that. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, it is never going to happen if we really deep down don't believe it's going to happen. And you said, I can't even see the stage, right? But we live in, we're in a pool of energy. We're Mm -hmm. literally hard science in a vibrational field and we're constantly all pulsing off of each other. So really life is more like a radio than it is matter and separate blocks of matter. That actually is a lie. Deepak Chopra was saying, if I can show you with different tools, you would see how funny it is that you perceive the world that way because it's all really this empty space. Like everything is made of that, right? So if that's the case, then it's from our radio signal of when we are tuned into like, I don't just see the stage, I'm on it already with Mel Robbins because that's where she was at. She just kept saying yes. And the world kept seeing it and putting it in front of her because it was such an obvious next thing. So she got a talk show, a local radio call-in show, which then became syndicated, which then turned into speaking engagements. She never applied to speak on a stage. I've never applied to speak on a stage. I don't have any friends who apply to speak on any stages. What happens in your life is an iceberg. Everything you were just doing that you thought nobody saw, but you were really doing it because it was who you are in integrity, you get known for. And then people come to you and ask you to do it because you are it. You're not waiting. There's no application. You are doing it. Let's go. You're waking up every day. You're like, I'm the CEO of my life. Like that guy, Charlie, who's doing all those amazing good deeds for everybody. He was just like, let's go. Healed myself from a tumor, ran a marathon. I don't know if you follow his Instagram, but it's so amazing. So of course, everybody's just running after him. Can we get you over here? Can we get you over here? And he's like, too busy. Like he has nothing to apply for. There's nothing to apply for, right? Phil Rosenthal was on our show and he was telling us like, how did he make the show Somebody Feed Phil? He mentioned to a friend, oh, wouldn't it be fun if I ran ran around eating with people and somebody was like, that sounds boring and stupid. That's not a show. That's just something you want to do on a Sunday. And he was like, why don't I just shoot that with my iPhone? And so he started like when he was on vacation, He started going in with his iPhone and shooting stuff. And then he showed it to a friend, like what it actually looked like for him to meet this guy in Marrakesh and eat meatballs with this guy. 
And the guy was like, that is interesting. Maybe I'll, I know a guy, there's an agent because he had been not seen as a front of the camera person. He wrote, everybody loves Raymond. And then he couldn't get another job because nobody was making those kinds of sitcoms anymore. And so he made this thing on his iPhone and then they all wanted it. And then they were like, nobody will watch it. And it's like the number one thing on Netflix and Netflix in spite of themselves is like, I guess we'll do it again. He said that they're like, not his fan. Cause they're like, we guess we got to keep making this. It's just the weirdest thing. And so he's like, great. I'm happy. It was so cute. He's like, I literally just took out my iPhone. So you're smiling right now because you have been living a miracle. And meanwhile, you're like putting all this pressure on yourself and waiting at the same time. And ultimately it's not coming because you can't even see it happening because there's no stage and there's no amount that you could do that would ever fix the world. And all of it's on your shoulders. And if we can untangle all of this, oh, maybe you'll just be able to step into alignment and breathe and turn on how much of a miracle you are and they're going to come to you. Why do you have to apply to 80 things? Nobody even reads those things. That's the truth. <laughs> You're too awesome to be in a pile of applications. You need to take the third door, make your own conference. Why are you even applying to be on somebody's stage? That doesn't make any sense. I spent the last two years like talking to Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu about different versions of television shows, which only came as a result of me doing what I'm doing and somebody saw it. But even then it was like, I kept feeling like I was in a washing machine, like what they want me to do. And my husband said, you need this like a hole in your head. Like, why do you need this? You already have freedom there. By the way, TV doesn't pay you what you're going to make from your podcast. So you're going to take time away from doing something that's so free to do something that they want you to do. And you're not even going to get paid for it. You're gonna have to leave the kids all these different days. Screw that. Keep doing you like, but my point of saying that was I couldn't even believe how being back in a position where someone had to choose me, how bad that felt. And then all of a sudden I was like, need you. I can make my own conference. I can make my own show. I can make my own everything. You don't need to wait for somebody to choose you to speak on a stage. That huge stage. Oh my God. If I was you, I'd reach out to every other miracle person in the world. I'd reach out to Amy Purdy. I'd reach out to every person who walks the walk of living a life that is clearly because they've been assigned. I'd be yeah. like, we're doing our own co- conference or we're going live together. I'm going live with you every single Monday and I'm now on your feed and you're on my feed. Like, come on, let's go already. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're really focusing so hard on one thing that we miss the whole show. Yeah. Is any of this feeling like it's making anything feel lighter for you? What really clicked was like, why are you applying to be you? Mm Mm-hmm. Cause you had said like, you don't have to fill out applications to be in a pile. It's like, yeah, you're hundred percent right. Oh, and PS, do you know, Mel Robbins career started from this TEDx talk where she jumped off the stage. You know, you can create your own TEDx event. Yeah. I've done TEDx. Right. So then it's a matter of like, it's only going to happen when we allow it to happen. So it's like, I've done it. Well, why haven't people seen it? Well, how do people see things? It's like, you have to have inside of you underneath whatever this thing is, a rocket ship of momentum. And that comes from full alignment. When we're fully in that, out of the blue, the people who are the right people to show up and just take it and launch it forward 
they hear the call. They're on the same radio signal. So you bump right into them. Yeah. So Colleen, anything else that you want to share? Just that bunny you have like your instincts that you have this purpose and this gorgeous gift to share. I mean, it's so obvious and it's so there. And just the more that you can just really allow it all out into the world and realize there is nothing to prove. There's no other stage you have to go climb on to be on the stage. Like you get to make your own stage and that audience, that community, those people you're here to impact. It's like we were talking about before. They're an inevitable byproduct of you being in your light. They will not be able to help, but find you. And you will be on a stage with people beyond distances you could ever fathom even seeing, because that is what happens when you just be you and you just trust in that is truly more than enough. And that gets to be it. What's really at the root of this, when there is a sense of disappointment that no matter what, this is not going to happen anyway, that's really what's in the way. Yeah. It's going to happen. It already happened because you exist lightning in a bottle, right? Whether you had been a miracle from everything that happened or not, like for all of us, it's already done. All of it is already done. You're literally swimming in a world that's not net neutral. It's net positive. When you get a cut on your pinky finger, instantaneously, your whole body comes to try to repair it. That's how the universe works. Everything is built net positive, but we have to fully be in resonance. If what you're doing is all these things and what's coming through behind your eyes is, I do not believe this shit's going to happen then you are holding yourself apart from it. And what that really is about is I really don't feel worthy of this. Oh, I really feel like if this did happen, it would crush me because the responsibility of having to hold for everyone and now being that visible and having to fix it for that many more people, I would never do that to myself. So I'll say that I'm doing all this, but I will not let that happen because I will break if I am aligned to when that happens, I now have to go and hold more for everybody, then why would I do that to myself? But if I can just be the instrument and I can just be in receivership of energy, well, then I could sit in front of football stadiums all the time (laughs) because it's light. It should be light. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's a few big pieces to this. Because we move this puzzle piece and then there's this one too, right? But really, it all sort of melts away when we're like, oh, do I really allow this to happen? And what would it look like if I removed everything? Yeah. That's keeping me from allowing this to happen. Yeah. What a powerful conversation today was. It's so powerful. I want to say thank you to Bunny for letting us share this on the podcast. You can follow her on Instagram at Bunny has six legs and that's the number six. Okay. Here are the takeaways. Number one, it doesn't matter how talented you are. It's the grit and optimism that matters. You have to say, I know it's here. I know it's coming and it will. Number two, playing the game is the joy. There's no greater satisfaction other than the climb. The satisfaction is in bumping up against new problems to solve, finding new courage and resourcefulness in yourself and allowing in more ease. That is where the joy comes from. Number three, 
everything we're chasing every day is a feeling. Number four, everyone has access to the divine source of all intelligence, this electricity. And when you see anything fully aligned and fully resonant, it moves you back into the stream. Number five, it's never about the strategic move. It's the energy. We are so powerful when we're totally turned on with all of our Christmas tree lights. That's what moves things. Number six, what happens in your life is the iceberg. Everything you've been doing that you thought nobody saw, but you did it because that's the integrity of who you are. Eventually you get seen for that. That stuff that was behind the scenes. And then there's no waiting and you don't have to fill out an application. You just get called up. Number seven, when you're fully aligned, you have a rocket ship of momentum. And when we're fully in that out of the blue, the people who can launch it forward will hear the call. And number eight, the audience you're here to impact are an inevitable byproduct of you being in your light. Thank you so, so much for listening. Some of you have been with us through all 700 episodes, which is insane. And for that, I am so incredibly grateful, whether you've been here the whole time or part of the time, or you just got here. Thank you for being here. I hope that this gives you nourishment and encouragement. Remember that I'm doing a huge giveaway. There'll be some really cool things going on over on my Instagram. Some of my favorite things that you might want to get your hands on. We'll be doing this bundle and seven of you will be winning. Just go on over to Instagram at kathy.heller and I will post the details there. There are some amazing conversations coming up on this podcast. So please make sure that you follow along on Apple podcasts that you're subscribed or Spotify if you're listening there and anywhere else you might be listening that you subscribe and follow along. And, um, if you want to hear about the retreat, the details of the limitless retreat that I am doing three days in June, you can go to kathyheller.com slash waitlist. There's a nice little special rate for pre-sale for that. If you get on the waitlist and also if you're on the waitlist, you can find out about the pre-sale rate for the next course abundant ever after, which will start in May. So go to kathyheller.com slash waitlist. If you want to hear more details, I love you so, so, so much. I'll leave you with a song. Have an amazing weekend. 